It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my ball. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. We are live from Radio Row in Atlanta, baby. It is the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting next to me here at Radio Row. Yeah. Shirtless Tom also here getting some weird looks. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73, at ButtonPusher970. And please, tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Wait till they see me put a tarantula on my face in Atlanta, baby! I think there's a little bit of a line in the contract that said you can't bring live animals in here. I also saw the line, gonna choose to ignore it! We're pushing it with the shirtless guy. We are. I'm also going to eat Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. We're really going to rile these bitches up. So while we're here on Radio Row, it makes sense to start things with hockey as the Penguins, they just traded Jamie Alexiak for a fourth-round pick, and people, they want to see Jamie Alexiak in a Penguin sweater, apparently. Guys, Jamie Alexiak was just a guy. He played well for the Penguins in spurts, didn't play so well in spurts, but Justin Schultz is coming back, and hey, he's a better player. Alexiak did not have any options. You can't send him down and bring him up. They had a logjam. They've now alleviated the logjam. This isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. The Penguins, though, they do need to find an identity. Mike Sullivan talked about it after the team lost by four goals when they were out in Vegas. He said... It's a discipline of the mind and a discipline of the spirit. Mike Sullivan talked about the Penguins needing to reclaim that identity because they surrendered about a thousand odd man rushes in that game against Vegas. And the Penguins went 2-3 and three on their West Coast swing. This after a 5-4-0 stretch that helped them regain their playoff footing. That to me though means the Penguins found a second gear, a playoff gear. When you go 15-4 and 0 over the course of 19 games, you found yourselves. So I look at the 2 and 3 stretch as an aberration. I don't think this is them reverting to their early season ways. What Sully means with discipline of the mind and spirit is to be focused on the ice. I saw a lot of people trying to figure out exactly what he means and tried to use his words to frame an argument. And I suppose that's what I'm doing here, but I'm the crowd man. That's why I'm in Atlanta. Our show's big time enough to be on Radio Row, so I'll tell you exactly what that means from Mike Sullivan. It means knowing where you are. Know when to pinch. Know when to get back as a forward. Don't throw blind passes. Don't take bad penalties. I could be just talking to Evgeny Malkin right now. Don't try to beat guys one on three. Oh, hey, Malkin does that too. Have tight gaps. Dirty. Keep your nose above the puck. Make clean changes. That's all discipline of the mind on the ice. What he means of discipline of the spirit is to always keep your eyes on the goal. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Penguins played bad hockey on the road trip. The break was coming. 
they had played great hockey to get to a good spot in the standings, then they took their foot off the gas. Discipline of the spirit means looking at each game the same way. There are 34 games left. This is usually when the Penguins turn it on. I bet the Penguins are disciplined both mentally and spiritually from here on out, starting against a bad Devils team tonight. I was fired up this weekend to look at the sports schedule and see the Penguins are back in action. They got the Devils tonight. They got Tampa on Wednesday, which will be a great measuring stick game, really, for both teams. But the more I thought about what's going on with the Penguins and how they need to get better, it hit me. Son of a gun, they're refreshing. Unlike the Steelers from across the street. Here's a list of the Penguins' problem this year. Malkin needs to be better. Goaltending was inconsistent early on. The Penguins' battle level was inconsistent early on. Derek Broussard hasn't lived up to expectations. And, hey, the banged-up blue line has been average. Those are all problems, but they're all hockey problems. All on-the-ice problems. All chemistry problems or confidence problems that can be buoyed by a good game here or there. Were there any trade requests? Anybody tweeting about going to play for another team? Did Sidney Crosby at any point talk to Wayne Gretzky and then Photoshop himself into an oiler sweater? No, that didn't happen. Did anybody throw shiz off a balcony? No, that didn't happen. The answer is no to all of the above. The Penguins absolutely have not been perfect. There was a point in the season where I said, "Uh uh-oh, I pushed the panic button way too early. But they haven't had drama, drama. Sometimes teams just aren't good enough. Sometimes teams just aren't playing well. The Penguins are absolutely good enough. They just weren't playing well enough early in the season. No drama. The most drama we've been able to find is Phil Kessel and Mike Sullivan not being the best of friends. And that's happened every single stop along the way with Phil Kessel because he does not play a way that a coach would want a player to play. He's one and done in the offensive end, doesn't help a lot on the defensive end, but on offense, hey, he puts a lot of pucks behind goaltenders. So that, to me, is not drama. How about Mike Sullivan and GMJR? That relationship has been dissected. Maybe they don't always see eye to eye, but far as I'm concerned, that's a good thing when the coach and the general manager aren't always on the same page because they're seeing things differently. That helps the hockey team be better. And this isn't the quintessential football versus hockey conversation because people tend to muddy that up with race talk. Well, if you're going to criticize football, it's because you don't understand the black community. No, that's not where I'm going with this at all because it's not to suggest that there isn't drama elsewhere in the NHL. Sure there is. The Senators, handful of players, were filmed in the back of an Uber complaining about their coach. That's something that would happen to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, and a couple of Steelers sitting in the back of a lift saying, Oh man, did you fall asleep in Mike Tomlin's meeting? It wouldn't happen with the Pittsburgh Penguins because, well, Mike Sullivan demands attention, but the guys who are in the room, they care enough to pay attention. The Leafs? Well, they had to deal with the William Nylander contract dispute, which almost represented what was going on with Le'Veon Bell. So these things happen, whether it's the NFL, the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, these things happen over the entire sports community. But they don't happen with the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
They don't happen with Mike Sullivan's bunch. They don't happen with Sidney Crosby's bunch. Sidney Crosby's a hell of a leader. Matt Cullen's a hell of a leader. Patrick Hornquist leads by example. Chris Letang's been a part of three Stanley Cup championship teams. So the Penguins, even when they struggle, you're not hearing a lot of infighting. There's not a lot of blaming going around. It's a collective shooting for one goal. And if they fail, it's because they didn't play well enough. It's not going to be because of any other BS. But the Penguins very rarely do fail of late. They've won two of the last three Stanley Cup championships. They went to an Eastern Conference Final in 2013. They were one of the best teams in hockey in 2012. They won the Stanley Cup in 2009. The Penguins are, right now, without question, the gold standard in Pittsburgh. And it's refreshing to me to talk about a hockey team, any team for that matter, that's got their heads screwed on straight. What are the Pirates doing right now? Well, they had Pirate Fest this weekend, and Bob Nutting didn't even show up, which, if I were him, that's exactly what I would have done, not show up. And people are talking about how the Pirates' payroll's ridiculous, and they don't want to win, and the attendance has dipped one million fans in the last four years. And it's because it's a circus act over there. And the Steelers, like we've been talking about for the last two weeks, three weeks, a month, the last two years, really, They've got a circus act going on over there. The Pittsburgh Penguins go about their business. They win. It's pretty quiet. The Penguins are refreshing. Even when they struggle, it's about what's going on on the ice. Hey, that Will Wheaton over there. Oh, what's up, Will? How you doing, man? What's going on? (laughs) Eating nachos. Will Wheaton. Yeah, that's a big plate. wonder where he got those. There's Uh, food everywhere. Everywhere. There he is, passing it down the line. Yeah, no doubt. See if we can grab some great guests over the week, too, here in Atlanta at Radio Row. Oh, Tom's working it. They're a little bit shy, like, at first. Like, he's going up to all the guest bookers and stuff, but I, and I think the lack of a shirt is throwing them off, but I think they'll quickly warm up to him. We've got a great radio format here where yeah. we just have fun in the sports. They're yeah. all around us. Dude, but also the insanities all around dude, us. CBS Sports Network has got that big damn stage right there, all set up with all the lights and everything, and people are looking at shirtless Tom. That's the beauty of the show here. It's going to get the Crowley show some play. You needed a whole crew to do that. We just brought Tom. You, me, Tom, we got this shiz on lock. It's nice down here. It is. <laughs> It was a winter storm warning for tonight, but hey, we're not going to complain because back in Pittsburgh, it's supposed to be very cold on Wednesday. Yeah, do you see the Syracuse station over there? Uh, like, I imagine Tim Ben's like crawling out from under the table. In a good, he in a good need way. To crawl. <laughs> yeah, he's walk under the table. Guys, this place is absolutely crazy. I've been making the rounds around this place. Did you guys see Will Wheaton's here? I yeah, have no did. idea. Just Will we? Yeah, he pointed he, out. Yeah, thanks I for have listening. no idea. Well, I'm trying to get guests here, Brian. I'm walking around. And but food. Will Wheaton. Yeah, I got some nachos for you guys too. But my God, all the stars out tonight. Did I'm gonna get, go back. I'm gonna try to get some more people. Did you get the pork nachos? Yeah, I got pork. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Ian Rappaport tweeted: Heading to Atlanta for the Super Bowl. The future of Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown remains the dominant non-Super Bowl story. Where things stand. While a fresh start is now the preferred outcome, the team has not yet given Brown and his agent permission to facilitate a trade. It's in the team's hands. He went on to continue. More on Antonio Brown. The Steelers are exploring trade options, but Brown hasn't closed the door on returning. 
He's maintained a steady dialogue with some in the organization he's close with to express that sentiment. Still, he should draw significant interest on the market. Man, none of this should be in Brown's hands. And likely, it's not going to be. When I see reports like this come out, it makes me chuckle. Uh, the Steelers would be dumb to let Antonio Brown and Drew Rosenhaus get the ball rolling here. There's not a no-trade clause, so A.B. can be dealt anywhere. It doesn't matter where he wants to go. Now, I wouldn't not trade him where he wants to go. I'd still try to get the best return possible, and if it just so happens that he winds up in a place where he's going to have success, fine. But I would not let where Antonio Brown wants to go influence the deal one way or another. I also love this verbiage. Brown hasn't closed the door on returning. Buddy, if they want you, you're under their control, you idiot. But he's also pushed the Steelers away with his social media posts. In fact, this weekend, because it never stops. It never stops with Antonio Brown. He liked a post ripping Ben on Twitter. And it read, quote, Ben is the problem. Cover up the problem and get rid of A.B. There's two sides to any problem. F. Ben. And Antonio Brown liked it. Does he think that likes don't show up? Who was the pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals who used to like all that porn on Twitter, thinking that nobody saw the likes, yet everyone could see that he's into some hardcore tie-em-up S&M type stuff? That's exactly what Antonio Brown's doing. A guy who spends so much time on social media should probably have some understanding of whether or not these things show up on the public timeline. Now, maybe he does, and maybe he's just trying to jab him again that way, trying to save his own reputation by saying, oh, yeah, it was Ben's fault, and throw him under the bus. But the verbiage of Brown hasn't closed the door on returning being used by Ian Rappaport is hilarious to me when every single second of every single day that Brown spends on Instagram or Twitter, he is absolutely, whether he knows it or not, closing a door on his return to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He might not have verbalized that the door is closed, but he's closing it anyhow. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We'll have guests all week long from the Super Bowl Radio Row. Coming up next, because it is Super Bowl week, we get to look at Tom Brady's chin crack for seven days. I'll tell you why you shouldn't hate him that much. It's Crowley Show. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. It's a growling show! 412-922-2874 is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. A lot of people hate on Tom Brady. It's because he's pretty. It's because he's good. It's because they think he cheated. And he might have a little bit. But I think it's mostly because he's pretty and good. Even if the cheating stuff never happened, people wouldn't like Tom Brady. And it's because... Guys like Peyton Manning, even though they're mega rich, they try to sell you a Ford. They're driving around in trucks. Brett Favre's wearing Wranglers. Tom Brady is like, I got a Rolex, and this is Giselle, and you could probably slide a dollar bill in my chin crack. And people don't like that. 
People don't like winning. People don't like when you're sexy. People certainly don't love the combination. Well, people don't like Sidney Crosby for all the same reasons apart from the cheating. But here's what slides in that Tom Brady does that a lot of people think Sidney Crosby does too, and that's the complaining to referees. Tom Brady got touched on the sternum, and they threw a flag for roughing the passer last week. People think Sidney Crosby gets preferential treatment. I'm here to tell you that doesn't happen. Sidney Crosby had his head bashed in by David Steckel, and then the next game, Sidney Crosby had his head bashed in by Victor Hedman, and the league did nothing to protect Sidney Crosby's spine from being stabilized. So Crosby does not get preferential treatment. Brady, maybe sometimes, all quarterbacks really do. But there's so many similarities between these two guys. And I think if you're a Steelers fan, you should not hate Tom Brady if you, in your heart of hearts, love Sidney Crosby. Here's the big difference, though, between the two. Crosby doesn't have kids to kiss inappropriately, so that's at least good. But Crosby's getting up there in age in this sport, not too old, not anywhere near where Tom Brady is, but Crosby's 31, and Connor McDavid, the next one. The best player in the game, right? The young star, he's 22. He watched Sidney Crosby play for nine years in the league before he even got into the league. Well, Patrick Mahomes is 23. Tom Brady is 41. Patrick Mahomes literally can't remember when Tom Brady wasn't in the National Football League. Now, Brady didn't have as regular, a good of a regular season as Mahomes did. Nobody did. And there's Wentz, there's Luck, there's Watson, there's Goff, there's scores of others who are coming for the GOAT's crown. Well, the same really goes for Sidney Crosby, who's no longer a kid. Sid the kid, no mo. Crosby's ninth in the league in points per game which means he's fallen off his typical pace where he's usually first or second right up there at the top. He's got 43 even strength points, so he's doing a good job five on five. But he's playing his best 200-foot game ever. Ever. And that's saying something because Sidney Crosby's always been a good 200-foot player. But Sidney Crosby, when he was with the best of the best in the All-Star game, in a series of three-on-three games, Sidney Crosby was better than everyone. When asked if he still considers himself the best player in the world, Sidney Crosby said, man, I'm just happy to be in the conversation. But I put him right up there at the top. Who do you got more faith in? Stamkos, Kucherov, the Lightning? They're that great team that always is knocking on the door but always falls up short. How about Matthews and Marner and Tavares with the Leafs? Well, they're having their struggles right now, and, well, the Leafs haven't won anything since 1967. The Lightning, they've been better than everyone this year. The Leafs, they won the offseason. whoop the freaking mother bleep and do When I look at Sidney Crosby, I've got total faith. He's smarter than you. His physical skills might be diminishing. They might have diminished a bit, maybe. But he's so efficient in his movement on the ice. He will beat you to loose pucks because he's smarter than you. He's thinking the game at a level that... A lot of these young players, for as good as they are, they still can't think the game on the level that Crosby has. Crosby's watched the ice for nine years before Connor McDavid even thought about playing in the National Hockey League. Sidney Crosby sees the game at a different level than these guys. He's also doing things that earlier in his career you had to twist his arm to do. He's spending time in front of the net on the power play. That's what he's best at. He's not a great half-wall guy, even though he racked up a bunch of points doing that early in his career. 
but it's the way he knows how to compete right now. The hand-eye coordination is still there. The touch around the net is still there. The ability to find space unencumbered around the net is still there. His chemistry with Jake Gensel is outstanding. And Jake has turned into a willing and capable defender. That's all because of Sidney Crosby. That's all because he's playing alongside good old number 87. Sidney Crosby just got Jake Gensel paid, mother truckers. Now, that's not to say Jake Gensel's not a good player, but Sidney Crosby, at 31 years old, has gotten this guy cash money. And if that line ain't scoring with Sidney Crosby, with Jake Gensel, guess what? Your top line isn't scoring either. This Penguins team's got a few holes, and yeah, they need to plug them, and it needs better from guys like Malkin and maybe Broussard if he's going to stick around. But I've got faith in the Penguins as long as 87 is playing this kind of hockey. The same way that I won't bet against the Patriots as long as number 12's at the helm. Hockey is not the behemoth that the NFL is, but Crosby is actually a more likable guy, I think, than Brady. But the similarities run deep. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. If Sidney Crosby and the Penguins are in a Game 7 situation against any team in the National Hockey League, do you think that they expect to win? I think Sidney Crosby does. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins do. I think this fan base does. I think every fan base in hockey, though, they expect the Penguins to win that game. When the Penguins ultimately line up against the Blue Jackets or the Islanders to start the spring in the playoffs, do you think anybody's going to pick the Blue Jackets or the Islanders? I don't. And when the Penguins ultimately play the Washington Capitals in the second round, yeah, there will be people who say, well, Ovechkin, now it's their turn. But I think the majority of people will believe in Sidney Crosby's Penguins. There's a lore that comes with this guy now, a legendary status that comes with this guy now. I think Sidney Crosby's one of the top five hockey players to have ever played the game, and when it's all said and done, he's going to be top ten in points, and we'll see if he can crack the top five. But it's not so much the statistics that make Sidney Crosby the same as Tom Brady. It's that aura. It's that expectation of victory. Every time they take the field or the ice, you think, we've got a much better chance than they do because we've got that guy. When Tom Brady took the football to march down the field to get the Patriots into the Super Bowl, both in regulation and in overtime, did anybody think that he wasn't going to score a touchdown in either of those circumstances? No! If Ben Roethlisberger had the ball, would there be some doubt? Yeah, I think there would be. If Alexander Ovechkin was the guy in Game 7, I think that there would be doubt even still. With Steven Stamkos and Kucherov in Tampa Bay, there's going to be doubt even still. Nashville, for as good as they are, for as good as Winnipeg is, they weren't able to get over that Vegas hump last year. But the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're a legendary hockey organization right now because they're riding the back of 87. And it's an aura that only a few players in the history of any sport has gotten. Evgeny Malkin, when he plays well, he is just as good as Sidney Crosby. He's not the consistent machine that Crosby's always been. He goes into funks, I think, more than Sidney Crosby. Confidence can affect his game. He'll go up and down. He'll take some stupid penalties. But Evgeny Malkin is an excellent hockey player. They need more from him this year. 
As good as this team can be, as much as I have faith that Sidney Crosby will carry them to heights that we've seen them get to in two of the last three years, they do still need a compliment, though, for Sidney Crosby. You need to have a good defense if you're Tom Brady. I expect them to win, but you need some complimentary pieces to fall into place. I think the Penguins need that with Evgeny Malkin. Most of the trade deadline shatter surrounding the Pens is about getting a left wing for Malkin. But if Malkin was producing, would that be part of the conversation? No. The reason for this is because Malkin has not been good enough. And by his standards, sorry, Gino, you've been dreadful. Now, he's still averaging over a point per game, but he's a minus 19. He's got just 34 even-strength points in 52 games. Again, Sidney Crosby's got 43 and 45. For Malkin, that's just not good enough. The Penguins' power play is very good. They're fifth in the league in scoring, but the power play chances start to dry up down the stretch in the playoffs. The Penguins are eighth in the league in even-strength goals, so they've been pretty good at five-on-five. The problem, though, is that they become far more difficult to defend down the stretch when Malkin isn't producing. The best thing about Sidney Crosby is you can deploy him against the other team's number one line. Then if getting Malkin should be able to go off against the number two line, number two defense pair. Well, if Malkin ain't able to cash in, therein lies some of the problem. He's only got seven even strength goals. That's amazing. It's also horrible. Here's the positive spin. I'm at Radio Row. Well, what do I have to complain about? I'm in Atlanta, I get Chick-fil-A and nachos. There's some weird gravy shiz over there. So I'll put a positive spin on this. Malkin scored 48 points in a 28-game span last year. He caught fire, so he's absolutely capable of doing that again. The other thing you could say is that if the Penguins are 8th in 5-on-5 five five goals with Malkin sucking a fat one, that's a pretty good sign. I choose to look at it the other way. If Malkin doesn't get his bleep together, the Penguins will be bounced earlier than they should, even with Sidney Crosby and his dominance. The Penguins are built to be carried by their stars, and with the exception of last year, Phil Kessel's a brilliant playoff performer, as is Crosby. Jake Gensel has proven to be able to rise to the occasion. But you need to have a second dynamic center in order to win this thing. Penguins have that in Malkin just as soon as he remembers that he is Evgeny Malkin. 4-1-2. 922-2874. At underscore Adam Crowley on the Twitter.com. What do you think the audience wants us to get out of Radio Row? <laughs> I mean, what do you people want? And you can chime in again on Twitter, FBomber73, at button pusher972 for Tom and Brian. I mean, we're down here. What do you want from us? I just saw Bill Romanowski walking by. That yep, is a saw him too. big ass neck that guy's got. Yeah. Oh. You Tom. think it's got like an implant in there or something like that? That can't be a natural neck. It's it's all vain, man. Yeah, some work yeah, done. Yeah, that's weird. He had some work done on that neck. He's a Hollywood <laughs> star now. I'm gonna try to get him actually. You're gonna try to get, try to get Bill Romanowski. Yeah, I'll try to track him down. That's who we're gonna talk to from what? Radio Row. To? All right, fine. I'm not doing it anymore. If you can't get him, Drew Michael Finley's over there. Oh, I like that. Yeah, See, uh, I like yes. where Brian's heads at, not where your heads at, Crowley. Yeah. Who although, do you want? You want I, bigger names, guys? You want a bigger name? I saw Drew Lachey hanging out with uh, <laughs> Wahlberg, Donnie. Donnie Wahlberg and Drew Lachey. I don't even know who Drew Lachey is. Sorry, he's, he's the brother of uh, the. Uh, uh, Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees. Yeah, these are two of the most famous brothers in Hollywood walking <laughs> yeah. around. Are you kidding me, Crowley? They're huge. They're they're really famous sponges. If we could get both of these brothers on the show at the same time. So wait a second. Can I just break this down real quick? Now, the options that I've been given are Bill Romanowski, whose neck is bulging to the point where he's not going to be able to fit with the other three of us. No, it could be a fake neck, too. 
Need to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> There's Jermaine Finley or Jermichael Finley. Jermichael Finley. Whatever. <laughs> best known. Definitely not getting him now. Best known for being the 15th best receiver <laughs> ever to work with Brett Favre and hey, Aaron Rodgers. Whoa. That's top 20. Or Nick Lachey's brother. Drew. Drew, Drew Lachey. Drew and Donnie Lachey. Wahlberg. It's a Dude, package deal. I want to find out what makes that guy tick. How the hell did he hit the lottery? Like, why is he here? <laughs> All right, do me a favor. Get one of them for the next segment. I mean, you just see what you can do. Yes, I, I got... mean, w- while we're here, I might as well get one of these jabronskis. First question, why the hell are you here? It's a good question. To all of them or just if we get the Lachey? Let's just, let's just hold that for most of them. Okay. Most of them, that'll be the first question. Well, it looks like Bill Romanowski's here for like Nutrisystem or something because the only oh, thing I can see is something. his neck. They're all selling something. Coming up next, live from Radio Row in Atlanta. The Penguins ain't going anywhere without this dude. And another reason, I got a reason here, why the NFL does not have to change a thing. It's Crowley Show. He's not the brightest guy in the room, but he is the cheapest. I love lamp. I love lamp. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Thanks a lot to Pittsburgh. What is it, Brian? Pittsburgh Private Jets. For flying us down here to Atlanta. G5. Yeah, baby, we was doing it up big this weekend, yo. Oh, so nice up there. Champagne on ice that I could only look at because it's dry January, but you guys were hammered. Oh, yeah. It was the altitude. It was the champagne. It was the it was the sheer sophistication of the moment. I was intoxicated. 30,000 feet, little mile high club action going on between you two, right? I Not between us, but what? I'll, I'll tell you right now, full disclosure, I'm pretty sure the pilot had a thing for me. Whoa. Kept me up. You think he did? Yeah. Okay. Did you have a thing for him? No. Okay. I like the stewardess. Okay. You show him your runway I'm patch? I'm sorry, the in-flight concierge. Your landing strip? You showed him the landing strip? I did not. Okay. No. Uh-uh. So we are live at Radio Row. We're going to try to get you some guests here. Larry David is like 40 feet away from us. Oh, when he makes his right way around, we're going to get him. Yeah, should I just like grab his arm? Or? Oh, my God. That's yeah. really him. Just get him. Just get him. I'm a bit starstruck by that one. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. You got Mark Wahlberg's brother. You got Nick Lachey's brother selling soap or whatever the hell it is. Then you got Larry David on the other side of the cafeteria here. What's he here to sell me on his show? I'm already sold. <laughs> I think he's here as a fan, right? I mean, he's yes. got nothing to sell. If Even if he had something to sell, I don't think he'd want to sell it. You it, better keep Drew Lachey away from me. He's going to try to get a part. <laughs> it seems like he's being pretty quick. Actually, here he is. Here, here got, comes Larry got, David. Get Larry, you got a headset? Real quick, Larry. You want to say here, something here, to the here, here, real quick? Larry, here Larry, you go. Yeah, what, how do you feel today? Pretty, 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 Why? pretty good. You got anything else for us, Lair? Lair. No? Lair. Oh, he's walking away. Okay. He's got right, a lot of stuff to do. At least do, we got Larry David for, wow. for a second there. It's not bad. It's a good get, Tom. That counts as a get? Uh, yeah, one for one. All right. Well, one for, I don't know how many he's tried. I don't even know <laughs> if he realized what was going on there. I don't even know if he knew we were a show. I just think he assumed we were fans, and he just delivered his go-to line just to keep it moving. I don't think he realized what was happening there. Well, happy to see that he's doing okay, that he's doing all right. <laughs> was he not? <laughs> it seems like he's doing fine. I'm just it sucks. There's big a big fan. It sucks that there's a no autograph policy here. I'm not an autograph Mm-mm. guy, but that's one guy I would have liked to. Me too. We got signs everywhere. Speaking of autographs, <laughs> yeah, 
How are you going to do that? Matt Murray's is on the Stanley <laughs> Cup twice. His name, Matthew Murray. There are 34 games left in the Penguins season. When Matt Murray had a save percentage of 887, the Penguins weren't in a playoff spot. They were floundering. They were behind Buffalo. They were behind Montreal, the Habs. They were battling just to get back into a position, a playoff spot. But here are his numbers now, and I wonder if there's any at all, any at all, reason why the Penguins turned this thing around. I mean, I wonder if he has anything to do with it. I wonder if there's a correlation. 14-6-1 with a 286 goals against average, a 913 save percentage. Matt Murray's won 10 of his last 11 starts. They're four points now up on Buffalo for the final playoff spot. They're two points back in the Caps. They're right there with the Islanders. They're right there with the Jackets. And I expect the Islanders to wind up falling back down to earth at some point. Are they a playoff team? Probably now. But are they the second best team in the conference? Give me a break. The Penguins season has turned for a number of reasons. But chief among them, for me, is that Matt Murray's played like Matt Murray again. You know, the guy whose name's on the Stanley Cup a couple of times. I don't know if he has to be the best goalie in hockey for this team to advance in the playoffs. But he needs to be sharp. And he's been that. And I have faith that Matt Murray's early season slump, his early season struggles, were just that. The anomaly and everything we've seen from Matt Murray since is the true Matt Murray. Jesse Marshall going to be joining us in 14 minutes via the phone. He's not here for Radio Row. It wouldn't make any sense for the Athletic to send a hockey guy down here. But he'll join us in a couple of minutes, and we'll be discussing what the Penguins need to do to keep up their recent string of good play in the unofficial second half of the season. The Pro Bowl was yesterday. Did you guys watch any of that? Hell no. Not a single second of it. Yeah, a little bit. You watched it? Why yeah. would you put yourself through you that? You know what? We did. I did see him flip the TV on on the plane for a little bit. Yeah. Why would you do that? We had champagne on ice. I was just hanging Video out. Video games on the it plane. It was actually so bad. Pa- I had to look in just to look in. It was one of the most pathetic sights i ever seen. It's pouring down, raining. There's there's patches of seats everywhere, just completely empty. Like I was like, I, I And then the National Anthem kid, whoever this kid was, starts singing through this thing. And I'm watching it on TV and like, would you just end the damn thing? It's raining so hard and everybody just wants to get this damn game on. And you're doing a five-minute rendition with every little, oh, I'm like, end it, dude. Just end it. No one wants this game to last a second longer than it has to. That kid disrespected America as far as I'm concerned. He did. He disrespected Brian on his couch. And I'm American, so, yeah. They had couches on this uh, G5. It was pretty cushy living, I'll tell you what. We each had our own, too. Your description, Brian, of the Pro Bowl is exactly why nobody has to do anything to change football. Because that product, with swaths of empty seats, rain pouring down, players who did not give a rat's ass... 8.6 million people watched that on average. Last year, 10 million people on average were watching the Pro Bowl. So that's 18.6 million people over the last two years who have watched the stupid-ass game. Football is fine. Change the replay rules. Nah. Make pass interference reviewable. No. Change the overtime rules. Nah. I'm not watching the Super Bowl. The Patriots are in it. Yeah, you are. 
The Saints got screwed. The NFL is a joke. Yeah, you'll still watch. The Pro Bowl, aside from preseason football, is the worst product that will be televised this year when it comes to the NFL. And you watched. The league doesn't need to make any widespread fixes. The league doesn't need to be reactionary and change. The league should maintain a status quo. And it's something they've been bad at. It's something that they usually don't do. Usually they are reactionary. Concussions, I get. But concussions, they went all the way to the other extreme. And, well, James Harrison, you hit a defenseless receiver, you're going to be suspended for a game or two. Tom Brady, oh, you get tapped on the knee there. We're going to throw that guy out. He's going to be fine. He's going to be suspended. Oh, boy, did you touch the quarterback's helmet? Well, there's going to be a flag. So there's overreaction there. Then you've got Ray Rice. We hear everything that happened. They probably punched her in the elevator. I uh, sure as hell didn't lick her to sleep with ki- kittens. I mean, this guy got hurt for a reason. Uh, we know what happened there. And it's because he punched her. We've got the video of him dragging her into the elevator. Okay, so we'll suspend him. Well, then the video comes out of the actual punch, and okay, well, now let's throw out that suspension. Let's suspend this guy, and definitely the guy has not played since. Now, I'm all for domestic abusers getting punished, but that was, oh, my God, we got to do something. I don't know what we're going to do. You know, let's just suspend him indefinitely because that's what I, as Roger Goodell, do. I am reactionary. How about the NFL lowering of the helmet calls? Well, there's concussions, and in the preseason, every damn tackle, lowering the helmet 15 yards, lowering the helmet 15 yards, lowering the helmet 15 yards, lowering the helmet 15 yards. It's a reactionary business that the NFL is running. Well, I'm telling them right now, live from Radio Row in Atlanta, they don't need to be reactionary here. What's a catch? Well, let's change that rule. Let's make it even more convoluted. Let's make it even more difficult to understand what constitutes a catch, what doesn't constitute a catch. Don't do not do that again. They fixed the catch thing. You don't need, you do not need to have whether or not someone's interfered with 35 yards down the field reviewed or not. You don't need it. You do not need to determine that after the fact. Make the right call on that at that moment. Make that call in real time. Get better at your craft. Don't make mistakes. But dear sweet Jesus, don't give us something else that we're going to have to sit through as a review. Now, 8.6 million people watching the Pro Bowl probably proves that you're going to watch anyhow. But the league needs to realize that their audience is their audience. And the ratings decline that was suffered last year globally, there was an uptick this year. So the ratings decline, it's gone. It's because you've got great quarterback play. You've got Patrick Mahomes. You've got Drew Brees. You've got Tom Brady. You've got Wentz earlier in the season. You've got Andrew Luck back and healthy. You've got quarterbacks throwing this thing all over the yard that are bringing people to their television sets. You don't need to go out of your way to start fixing everything that doesn't need to be fixed. Nobody was bitching about the overtime rules after Drew Brees threw the interception. No, the overtime rules started getting bitched about after Tom Brady goes down the field and scores against Kansas City. Well, we can't have that happen again. Got to change the overtime rules. No, F it. How many times have we really seen a team get left out of the NFC Championship, out of the Super Bowl, because they got screwed in the NFC Championship game on a call? Hadn't happened very often. Happened one time. 
Uh, we don't need to say it's going to keep happening. Let's change something. Overtime in the later game. Oh, well, Patty Mahomes, he never got to touch the ball. Yeah, millions and millions and millions of people, 54 million to be exact, watched that game. Sorry, you got a good product. It was a hell of a game. It was a fantastic finish. The last seven minutes of the football game took 45 minutes. Stop adding things. People love football right now. Don't make it more convoluted. Don't make the product more difficult to palate. Because I'm good watching it for three hours. A lot of people are good watching it for three and a half hours. Maybe even get closer to four. College football people seem to be okay with that. But don't add any more time by looking at pass interference calls down the field. And don't change the overtime rules just because Patty Mahomes didn't get a chance. Hey, Chiefs defense, make a freaking stop. 412-922-2874. Live from Atlanta, it is the Crowley Show. Alec Alec Baldwin, you want to come on with us? Alec Baldwin. Okay. Okay. How about a brother? Okay. Yeah, give us one of the brothers. Any other brothers. (laughs) Maybe your sister. You got a sister? Okay, he said he's gonna call. He's gonna call us. You gotta give him the number. That wasn't the sign it. for calling. Oh, that's the I'm F- still you. Go, I'm still gonna go give him the number. Yeah, get the number. We're gonna come all the way down to Atlanta, and this guy's gonna join us on the phone like a son of a bitch. <laughs> Seriously, he's on his way out. I'm sorry. He is on his way out. All right. Well, we'll get Alec Baldwin hopefully in the next segment. Jesse Marshall from the Athletics also gonna join us. Dude, Pittsburgh private jets did not fly us down here to get people on the phone. Hey, we've never talked to Alec before, so if. Just walking over to him and getting a number, that might work. I mean, it's worth it to be down here. We'll get him on the phone. I mean, I'm a little pissed too, but we'll get him on the phone. So Jesse Marshall and Alec Baldwin next. It's a Crowley <laughs> Show.